0: Good morning, dear friends. I have a a brief outline for you today. I was thinking today would be in some ways a bit more of a devotional just because we have these other parts in the service and uh, uh, want you to be blessed by the words of the Apostle Paul to Titus. um, As we wrap up, we only have a few weeks left in Titus. And then we're going to go into... Um, some special messages for the Advent season. And uh, in some ways, this message, I hope, will get you start starting to think about the Advent. Um, I, I hope it will. It did for me. I have to admit, in preparing this message this week, even though it was a super busy week, I was greatly, greatly blessed in just reading, preparing, meditating. And it actually helped me get ready for Christmas, to be honest with you. Even though we have Thanksgiving still coming, but it's that season on the church calendar, isn't it? So I I hope you'll think about that. I hope you'll think about Advent a little bit as we go through this passage and as you see what Paul's telling Titus for the believers in Crete. So let me begin by giving you three ideas. Three ideas as a map for where we're going this morning. First, the word grace and let me give it in a sentence form grace has come well that's advent isn't it grace has come second is glory is coming so grace has come to glory is coming so one of the things that we like to say here is when we celebrate christmas we don't want to just celebrate christmas we want to celebrate the lord's second advent which is his coming again. And that's really the beauty of celebrating Christmas is to look forward to Jesus coming back again. And the third is the word godliness. And I'll say it in a sentence form by saying this. Godliness is for you right now. So let me say it again. Grace has come. Two, glory is coming. And thirdly, godliness is for now. So would you pray with me and we will uh, go into God's Word um, and uh, we, we will, we will uh, prepare for what the Lord has for us. Lord, we thank You for this morning, for gathering us together. Thank You for Karis and Motoki. Thank You for Jack and for the faithful lives of Your people here at Trinity. Lord, I pray, O oh God, that You would continue to bless us as we open up your word each week pray that you will give us eyes to see your son it's in jesus name i pray amen as we get ready to jump into this passage i want to just remind you again that we are still in reformation week having celebrated reformation sunday last sunday Um, I've been thinking about reformers and history and church history. And I want to read to you even a couple of quotes again today for you to continue to think about how God used these godly men. Listen to this quote by B.B. Warfield. Benjamin Warfield was um, a professor at Princeton Seminary, um, the primary school for uh, training ministers early on in the life of the United States. And um, here's what B.B. Warfield says about John Calvin. Listen to this. Here we have the secret of Calvin's greatness and the source of his strength unveiled to us. No one ever had a profounder sense of God than he. If you often think, well, what, what was the big deal about Calvin? Kind of seems like a stiff when you look at some of the pictures or these old images, you know, but 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 here's the thing these were men who took god seriously and warfield says the secret of calvin's greatness and the source of his strength is that no one ever had a profounder sense of god than he it's not a great statement that he thought about god that much that he was deep into the theology of christ and what god did for us and Here, these words of Calvin, these became some of my favorite words. And I promise you, it's very much in keeping with with what Paul is telling Titus for the believers in Crete. Because I know that I am not my own master, Calvin says, I offer my heart as a true sacrifice to the Lord. And then he says, my heart I give to thee, O Lord, promptly and sincerely. What a great statement. I I hope that that would be true of all of us. The first idea that I had for you or the first part of the outline is that grace has come. Did you hear the sentence? For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age. For the grace of God has appeared. Well, what is that? Brothers and sisters, it's the coming of the Lord. It's the coming of God's favor upon us. And there is no more profound sense of God's grace appearing to us and coming to us than the birth of Christ, than the first advent. Now, let me go further by reading a passage for you. This is a very well known passage. And it's all about the incarnation as Paul is writing to a church in Philippi. Now, you know these words, but I'll say it again for you to hear. This is Philippians 2. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. The one who is the second person of the Godhead took on human form, even the form of a human. He he stooped down to become human for us. And that's grace coming to us. Now let me me put it in context for a minute. Do you remember what I told you a couple weeks ago ago about this island of Crete? Remember the people who live there are called Cretans? And their own people referred to them as people who are liars evil beasts and lazy gluttons and what does paul say it's all true that's exactly who they are because your own prophets your own authors your own teachers have said this about you but i want you to think about this think about this in light of grace coming i hope this will be applicable to you as it is for me as i realize man these words are all on purpose here Crete is the largest of the Greek islands. Beautiful, you can imagine, right? Pictures of Greece, mountains, beautiful waters. I'd love to go to Greece one day. A prosperous place at that time. But Cretans were liars, evil beasts, and gl- lazy gluttons. And do you know that when you look up the word for lie or to lie, to deceive, that the word is kretidzo coming from the word Crete. To be a Cretan is to be a liar. That's so much of what Crete was all about. Such an immoral people. Lazy gluttons, liars, evil beasts. And there are lots of issues here on Crete. Do you know what their dominant religion was? The greco-roman world and their gods and goddesses greek mythology in fact some some um authors and legends say that zeus was born on the island of crete so you can imagine a place that has all kinds of ungodliness about it it is an ungodly place opposed to the god of the bible and yet we see the picture of grace It was a people opposed to God and yet grace has come to them. Isn't that interesting? The Scripture says, for the grace of God has appeared bringing salvation for all people including the Cretans. Including people who are immoral and liars. And you know that word appeared? The word appeared is very similar to the word that we have in English called epiphany. Like a divine revealing, a divine appearing. As if the divine appeared to save people from a problem, a trouble, a, to be a help, to free them from enemies, and so forth. So, here we have the grace of God has appeared to a people that didn't deserve it at all. That's what grace is. Grace is undeserved favor from God to sinners who don't deserve it at all. Now, think about your life. Think about your own situation. Think about where you've been. Think about your attitudes. Think about your heart. Think about your thoughts. I I had to do this this week. And you know what I realized? This is our story as well, isn't it? This is absolutely our story as well. We are all living in rebellion against God and we too, like the Cretans, deserve only God's judgment and wrath. But God stoops down to meet us and come to us by sending His only Son, the Lord Jesus, to save us when we had no hope. It's all God's grace. And apart from His mercy and grace, we too, like the Cretans, would have been doomed. Listen to this. This is from Martin Luther. Okay, listen to this. He says, I said, isn't it enough that we miserable sinners lost for all eternity because of original sin are oppressed by every kind of calamity through the Gospel and through the Gospel threaten us with His justice and wrath. See, Luther felt condemned by God when he read the Scriptures. He felt that God's wrath was on him. And that he couldn't do enough. This was how I was raging with the wild and disturbed conscience. I constantly badgered St. Paul about that spot in Romans I, Romans 1 and anxiously wanted to know what he meant. I, I meditated day and night on those words until at last, by the mercy of God, I paid attention to their context. The justice of God is revealed in it as it is written, the just person lives by faith. I began to understand that in this verse, the justice of God is that by which the just person lives by a gift of God that is by faith. All at once I felt that I had been born again and entered into paradise itself through open gates. You know what Luther is saying? He's saying, God's Word tormented me until I realized what it really meant. And then my eyes were opened as if I was born again. The person, the just person, lives by faith. And it is a gift of God. What is that gift of God? It's grace. For by grace are we saved through faith. And that not of yourselves. It is the gift of god not of works so that no one none of us can boast i was teaching this to my communicants a couple weeks ago i said you need to memorize john three sixteen if you don't know it and most of them knew it but can you recite it in your own minds again listen you need to hear it For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only begotten Son that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. God takes the initiative in saving His people. He gave us His Son. Grace appeared to people who didn't deserve anything. Now, I want you to think about something else with me. I'm going to spend a couple extra minutes on this first point. On grace has come. Brothers and sisters, this is what our lives are all about. Now, now think about Paul writing a letter to the Cretans through Titus, his associate. Who are the Cretans? Well, I already explained that. Well, who's Paul? Paul, on the other hand, was a devout self-righteous Jew. And who needs God's grace more? The self-righteous Jew? Or the immoral Cretan. And I think what the Lord is trying to show us in this passage is both desperately need God's grace. Both Paul and the Cretans stand at the foot of the cross and say, I'm desperate and need you. Apart from you, I have nothing. Interestingly, this made me think of that great parable of Jesus. Do you know and remember that parable called the prodigal son the parable of the prodigal son you know that one right the son wants his father's money wants to go away into the far country get away from home live his own life well the prodigal son which really should be called the parable of the prodigal sons because both of them needed forgiveness and restoration with their father not just the younger brother but the older one too but this is what this picture is Here's Paul, the older son, and Cretans, the younger son, in many ways. One's self-righteous in their good works and the other one's thinking, I'm too bad. Well, here's what the grace of God continues to teach us. No one is bad enough that the grace of God cannot reach them. And no one, is good enough that they don't need God's grace every single moment of every single day. That's the truth. I know you've heard that before, but it's the absolute truth. We are never so bad that God's grace cannot reach us, and we are never so good that we don't need God's grace desperately. But this is our story too, isn't it? And you might be on one side of the other or maybe somewhere in between, but remember... That we're all here by the grace of God coming. Praise be to God. Well the second point I had was glory. And glory is listed in this verse in this section, but let let, let me read it to you this way. The appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ who gave Himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for Himself a people for His own, for his own possession who are zealous for good works. This is another appearing, another epiphany. The appearing that will come when Jesus will come again for us. Jesus at the appearing of his second advent, friends, will not come in weakness. He will not come poor. He will not come as a baby. He will come as the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords in all his splendor, in all his beauty, and it will be a marvelous sight. I wished it could be today so that we would be alive to see it. But His glory is coming. Grace has come, but His glory is coming. Would you um, allow me to read a few verses? If I don't finish, I don't finish. But you need to hear this. Listen, Isaiah says, and the glory of the Lord shall be revealed and all flesh shall see it together for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. John 1, 14, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us and we have seen... His glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Hebrews 1, He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of His nature, and He upholds the universe by the word of His power. After making purification for sins, He sat down at the right hand of the Majesty on high. Romans 11.36, For from Him and through Him and to Him are all things. To Him be glory forever. Amen. 1 Corinthians thirteen twelve. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part. Then I shall know fully, even as I have been fully known. 2 Corinthians 4, 6, For God who said, said, Let light shine out of darkness, has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Romans 8.18, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed to us. Revelation 21, And the city has no need of sun or moon to shine on it, for the glory of God gives it light, and its lamp is the Lamb of God Himself. Here's what I'm trying to tell you. Glory, Grace has come to us in the first advent through our Lord Jesus being born to us when we didn't deserve it. You remember the dirty shepherds? Jesus came to those who didn't deserve Him to give good news, right? And to give hope. But He's coming again, and when He comes again, it's going to be in full brilliance and full splendor. You know, I just enjoyed reading more and more of the scriptures this week in light of this passage and i I have to tell you even if i can't finish i want to read to you some more of god's word will you listen to this about the glory that is revealed through john's vision of what's coming for us as believers at once i was in the spirit this is revelation 4 and once I was in the Spirit, and behold, a throne stood in heaven with one seated on the throne, and he who sat there had the appearance of jasper and carnelian, and around the throne was a rainbow that had the appearance of an emerald. Around the throne were twenty-four thrones, and seated on the thrones were twenty-four elders clothed with white garments." The first living creature like a lion, the second living creature like an ox, the third living creature with the face of a man, and the fourth living creature like an eagle in flight, and the four living creatures, each of them with six wings, are full of eyes all around and within and day and night. They never cease to say, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. And whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to Him who is seated on the throne who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before Him who is seated on the throne and worship Him who lives forever and ever. They cast their crowns before the throne, saying, Worthy are you, Lord our God, to receive glory and power and honor, for you created all things, and by your will they existed and were created. Glory is coming. Friends, do you realize that He is coming back for us and He's coming in full brilliance? And He is the One who is worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals. And the Scriptures in chapter 4 and 5 continue to say, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. And this is the picture that we are given. You know, right here at Trinity, many years ago, we had the privilege of welcoming a great, wonderful theologian teacher named Dr. Sinclair Ferguson. He was one of my professors, Pastor Jeff's as well, and we had a chance to to welcome him here to do a little conference. And I still remember one Sunday morning in my office, Dr. Ferguson saying, when I asked him, so how do you prepare for worship? You know what his answer was? I read Revelation 4 and 5 every Sunday morning. I get a glimpse of the glory of God before worship every Sunday morning, before preaching or standing before God's people. We are made to worship. We are made to worship, and glory is coming for us. You know, the Puritans are people that I would recommend to you. If you've never read many of the Puritans, there are many, many, many wonderful Puritans. heres I'm going to come to this in the third point. They were known for their godliness and their depth of understanding of who God was. But listen to what the Puritans said about grace and glory. They said this, Grace is God's glory begun. And glory is grace in its perfection grace is god's glory begun and glory is grace in its perfection grace trains us to look forward to heaven listen if you're like me we get stuck here on earth don't we too much begin to think of the earth too much and our stuff and our little kingdoms Do you know how you live? You live in light of God's grace coming to you when you least deserved it. And then you look forward to glory because He's coming again for you. One of my absolute favorite verses is in Romans where it says, and God commends His love towards us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Grace trains us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and for it to teach us to live. My last point is godliness is for now. Godliness is for now. How does this fit? Well, think about this. Grace has come. Glory is coming. Well, what do we do in this in-between time that we call life? Friends, we live in light of being grace-captured people, salvation people, Jesus people, redeemed people, looking forward to glory. But we live godly lives now. We live for Him now. We deny ourselves. We promote Jesus. We talk about Him more than we talk about us. And this is, what, this is what the scripture says in the middle verse. Listen, this is the middle of this passage. It says, Training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ. There are three things that are mentioned here that I think Paul very appropriately puts in here for us to think about because it's sort of all-encompassing or comprehensive, if you will. Think about it this way. To renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, what does that talk about? It talks about us. It's looking inward into our own hearts, into our beings, into our thoughts, into our mind, right? upright has more to do with our relationship with other people our neighbors our friends our family it's doing justice it's how we are kind to others and help others it's looking outwardly and godly lives is our relationship with him is being devoted to him is to meditate on his word is to have hope in him alone is to live our lives for him right now. My, my brothers and sisters, let me say it this way: You can give your life to a lot of things while you're on the Earth. But the most important thing is that you do everything for your savior and live in a manner that is worthy of the calling he has called you to. How's your speech? How do you handle your things, your possessions? How do you do business? How do you resolve conflicts? How do you show kindness to those who aren't deserving of it? What about those who have wronged you? And Paul's really telling us there is a way to live as you look forward to glory coming. And that is to give your lives over to Christ and submit to Him and to live godly lives in every area. If this sounds crushing to you or overwhelming to you to live up to such standards, take heart. Take heart. I had the really wonderful privilege a couple weeks ago of teaching about the Holy Spirit to the children. You know, in communicants class, to teach about the Holy Spirit... And we talked about the Father and the Son and the third person, the Holy Spirit. And I, and I told him, He is the least known, <laughs> He is the least understood, but you gotta understand the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit keeps us from being crushed under the weight of trying to do stuff and to win God's favor. The Holy Spirit applies the grace into our hearts to strive forward, to keep going, to rely on Him, to lean on Christ. The Holy Spirit carries us forward until glory comes. You know, perhaps the most profound verse. Pastor Jeff, I'm jealous of you. You're going to get to preach on this in just a week or two. This is the next chapter. Now, if you do not have this verse highlighted in your Bible, please do it right now. Titus 3, 4 is probably one of the most profound and beautiful verses that sums up everything that I've just said. Listen to this, Titus 3, 4. But when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, verse 5, He saved us, not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to His own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom He poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ our Lord. Friends, don't be crushed. The Holy Spirit is with you. He is helping you. He will guide you. And He will preserve you until the Lord comes again for us. This is God's truth for us. He's coming again for us. And would you fix your eyes on Him? I hope you will continue to meditate on this passage. You will look forward to chapter 3, but let's pray together. Father, I am so thankful for all that You continue to teach us from Your Word. We thank You for the first Advent. But Lord, we so joyfully look forward to the second Advent. And we pray that during this time on earth, Lord, that You would, through Your Spirit, empower us to live lives of godliness, to put away pride and selfishness, and to live our lives in a way that's pleasing to You. We thank You for this passage. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.